Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Texas Rangers. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. I am alone here in the studio today, except for our good friend Brian Elledge producing this fabulous podcast. But joining me from Surprise, Arizona, where he's on another boondoggle, uh, yet another boondoggle, is the is our one and only Evan Grant. Evan, how are you? Uh, you call this a boondoggle, Kevin? Yeah. I'm out here um, digging. Digging. <laughs> Digging for gold? Have you have you have you started panning? Is that what you're doing now? I'm digging my own grave. Is yeah. what I'm doing, Kevin. Uh, you, you are, or this paper's grave. One of the two. Uh, Evan. Uh, so they're having the organizational meetings out there in Arizona this week. Uh, so John Daniels did not go to the World Series. Uh, he has not at this point, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think that he will go unless he goes over the weekend. One thing that was interesting that he did say um, that we'll get into a little bit more is one of the topics that came up yesterday and the primary topic that came up in talking about yesterday is uh, this organization has interviewed eight managerial candidates. Um, It's not necessarily the end of the interview list. Uh, I mentioned that, hey, there are two teams that are still playing baseball left, and they've got some good people that work for them, uh, primarily Chris Woodward, who's the Dodgers' third-base coach, and Ron Renneke, who is the Red Sox bench coach. And uh, John also mentioned the possibility of expanding the interview list, and I said, well, you know, could you interview guys like that right now? And he said, you'd have to go to them. So. Uh, if he shows up at a World Series game, uh, I think you have your answer there. And it wouldn't surprise me one way or another that either he waits until after the World Series and talks to guys from both of these clubs or he he efforts to go back to Boston when the clubs go to Boston um, on the second trip. I don't think he's going to go to L.A. He could go to L.A. this weekend. It's possible. I, I, if he goes to the World Series, he's not going to talk to anybody, I don't think. I, I think he would feel like 
that you know it, we know how baseball feels about uh, people. For one thing, making announcements. It's okay to be working on this kind of thing, but to be making news, making announcements. You're oh, he would not be making an announcement. He would. He his whole sole purpose would be. You can't interview somebody right now in a bi-coastal World Series unless you go and actually sit down with them early in the day before they go to the ballpark. And and that's what I that's what yeah. I'm no, no, I, to. But I, I don't even know if people do that. obviously aren't quick enough to pick up on that. No, no, I, I'm quick enough to pick up on that. What I'm saying is I don't even think he would interview anybody during the World Series. I think he would look at it like, you know, uh, what you know? What's the hurry at this point? I mean, I I don't understand you know why we feel like the teams have to be making that kind of hire so fast. In in baseball, everything happens fast, and after the regular season is over, you know it's it's the it's the best playoffs of any sport. You know they get on, they get on with it. It's fun. It's it's almost every night. It's it's terrific. Uh, but the I, I'm all for that. But speeding up the process on hiring a manager, I just I don't see the point of it completely agree um and if you uh if you did actually read the morning news i wrote about that uh this morning Um, it's really early here for this podcast and and i just can't stomach reading some of your stuff that's early in the morning it's not good for me i i I talked to my uh my uh general practitioner and he said listen just wait until later in the day and then after you've had your stomach kind of coated with lots of things you know that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's actually 7.30 out here, but don't worry about any of that. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, he – listen, I think, it's, I think it's possible at this point that he could go – if he wanted to, he could go and sit down and have a conversation. He's also been cognizant that, hey, the priority for these teams is to win the World Series. I don't want to interfere with that process. Right. Um. So, I, you know, I, I think he could say, hey, I'd like to go out and grab, at this point, I'd like to get coffee, get to know somebody, and then maybe bring him in for an interview after the World Series, or, you know, realize that our personalities aren't, aren't necessarily a great match. I, I think that's that's still up in the air. No, but let, I think what is... Well, let me, ask, let me ask, well, hold on, I'm, I'm going to cut you off, because you always say that we should just cut off our uh, people when they're just getting really long-winded. Uh, if... If this, what does this say about the interview process that they may expand it? Does it say that they're just being thorough and doing their due diligence, or are they saying, you know what, no one's blown us away yet? I, I think it's. I think you can make narratives on both ends, um, but I think for, for for me, trying to use logic here, I think that the idea that the number of guys that you bring that you are bringing in that you have absolutely no connection with to get the idea that in one four hour conversation over the course of a day, um, you could really get to know them uh, and make a decision without speaking to a few more people. I I just don't know that the process is for as high a profile position as it is. And as close as the manager works with the GM, I just don't know that the process meets the um, uh, the standards for for best possible success. If you look at the two jobs that have been filled so far, uh, the Los Angeles Angels job, there were three candidates there who were finalists. Eric Chavez, who's now available and I think will become something of a candidate for the Rangers. Uh, <clears throat> 
Joe Espada, who is who remains a candidate, though he interviewed in Toronto yesterday and may be a strong candidate there, and Brad Ausmus, who got the job. Well, all three of those guys had worked for the Angels or worked with um, GM Billy Epler for at least a year. So he had familiarity with all three of those guys. Uh, in, in this case, I mean, there are five strong candidates who have come completely from outside the organization who the Rangers are still trying to get to know. And I also just feel like this is the one thing in the process that, hey, the Dodgers and the, and the Red Sox are probably the two best organizations in baseball right now. You're trying to, as both you and I have talked about at length, you are trying to probe those organizations and mine them for a little bit of information. And I think you're doing yourself a disservice if in this process you don't speak to candidates um, that are associated with those teams and candidates who are not otherwise distracted by what should be their number one priority, which is trying to win a World Series. So, Listen, some fans, you know, when the Rangers went through the process in, in the trade for, for Prince Fielder and did everything according to uh, customaries, which is, you know, just exchanging medical reports and doing no physical, when Prince didn't work out health-wise, a lot of fans got upset because, oh, why didn't the Rangers give him a physical? Well, here are the Rangers attending to every possible detail on this managerial search, and yet on social media and, and in some in some circles, there's this idea that, well, can't get anybody to come and manage this team. I don't think that's the case. I think if the Rangers wanted a managerial candidate, they would still have their pick of guys that they really like. Joe Girardi was never going to be the manager here. Um, he can say that he withdrew. I think the Rangers also made it clear that they wanted to speak with him. They wanted to get some feedback from him but they never viewed him as a serious candidate. I think that was a case of both both sides using one another uh, to, A, in Girardi's case, keep his name in the mix, uh, maybe create some negotiating leverage with either other clubs or MLB. And in the Rangers' side, it was an idea to say, okay, you worked for the New York Yankees for 10 years. You were a big league manager who won a World Series. Tell us about your process. Uh, the other guy, David Bell, who went to Cincinnati, I think all along it was kind of presumed that David Bell was the leading candidate in Cincinnati because he's a son of Cincinnati. His father, Buddy Bell, works in the Cincinnati front office. And, and so I don't think the Rangers, have they were never going to be interested in Brad Ausmus. He was not the right fit for this group. So I don't think they've lost any of their candidates to this point. No, I, I don't think they have either. I think it's interesting, though, that in baseball, you, it tells you something about where the the game is going in the number of managers who are being discussed for these vacancies and how many of them have had previous experience. You know, as we mentioned, Girardi interviewed uh, here and in Cincinnati and, and was not a candidate here. We didn't think he was, and, and I don't know how much of a candidate he was in Cincinnati. Brad Ausmus was a manager once in Detroit, didn't work out there. Uh, doesn't mean it can't work out with the Angels. Look what you know happened with A.J. Hinch. Uh, you know, he, uh, he on his second uh, job, is now considered a – pretty much a model for managers in, in the game today. But it is right. interesting to me that um, that this is the way everybody's going. Everybody's going with, with uh, younger, unproven managers. And I, and I think that um, a lot of that has to do with, you know, the, you know, embracing analytics and wanting younger minds and maybe people a little bit younger, maybe looking 
a little outside the box, looking for guys who are uh, bilingual, Spanish speakers, uh, that type of thing. But I also have a feeling that that if if these general managers were really honest, what they would uh, tell you is that, yeah, we're really looking for guys who are not as uh, set in their ways and used to having it in their own way, and they're going to listen to us, the people in the front office, and, and how we want things to be done and not give us too much pushback. Well, I, I agree with just about everything you said, with the one exception of this, that I want my – I want my manager to listen to what I have to say or hear what I have to say. I also want him to be able to discuss it with me at a literate level. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's plenty of cases where managers will listen to what GMs would say uh, or the data presented to them, but a lot of the old school managers just don't either buy the data or um, they're still going to go with their gut in a certain situation. Um, And there's, there's guys that I think that also have a reason why, look, Here's where in a game situation or in the handling of of, um, of of something, here's why I'd go against the book and let me explain it to you. And when you do that and you can communicate to the GM at a level that they can understand, all of a sudden I think the GM is going to listen to the manager too. Um, the GMs don't not value experience. I think what they don't want is a bunch of recycled guys who think they – that the clubhouse and and the, the the roster are their fiefdom and that they should not be questioned. Now, let me ask you this. So, with that in mind, is Buck Showalter going to get another job in baseball? Man, let's say Yankees, Diamondbacks, Rangers, Orioles, four jobs. Does he get a fifth? I I don't see it. I mean, I, 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 just, I just don't see it. I think, you know, Buck is, Buck is the kind of guy who is – set in his ways. I think uh, we saw a lot of um, uh, give and take after he left the Orioles that, that according to Dan Duquette, the, the, the coaching staff and Buck was not real interested in the analytics that they were presented. Buck said, that's a bunch of bull. We've also known Buck to not always tell the truth. So I, I, I don't know. Um, uh, I, I don't know that Anything about the Buck Showalter narrative of a guy who is very much wanting complete control, who tries to manipulate players, maybe in a way that's not um, uh, that's easily detectable for players and not very uh, not very pleasant on their front. Um, I just don't know that that there's another outlet for him to go and get a job. Is there another manager out there that is a guy, you know, who's had three, four jobs, uh, had some success, that uh, just sitting around waiting for somebody to call? Well, I mean, Girardi's had two jobs. Right. So he's waiting for, for his third chance. Um, look, you know, I, I, I mentioned Ron Renneke at the outset of the show. This is a guy who took the Milwaukee Brewers to the, Amer- to the National Championship Series in his first year as manager, and he's the bench coach for, um, uh, for Alex Pora on the Boston Red Sox. Uh, not to mention the fact that uh, he was also, uh, I believe, Adrian Beltre's double-A manager or triple-A manager. He was his double-A manager, um, just in case the Rangers wanted to make that case to Adrian if, if they decide uh, to try and bring him back. I, I, I think there are some – I think it shouldn't be one strike and you're out, but I also think that it shouldn't be, hey, let's just recycle 
uh, the same managers. And baseball did that for a long period of time, that they they seemed to operate like there was a pool of about 35 guys to choose from. And each year, maybe one more guy got inducted into that club. And I think now they're saying that there is more than one right answer, and it doesn't necessarily require that somebody has, has managed the game at big league speed. I think that that was always considered the biggest difficulty in the game. I think now GMs look at processing the information, managing the players and the personalities in the clubhouse, managing up to the front office and managing down to the players. Those are the most important things. The game strategy is played out almost like a like one of those cards they hand you uh, in Las Vegas if you want to if you want to study blackjack strategy. There's a bunch of percentages and a bunch of uh, options laid out for you on what are high percentage moves. You know, I'm going to go ahead and handicap this thing. I don't know a single thing about what John Daniels is is thinking, but I'm going to handicap it for you right now. The All next right. the next Rangers manager will be Joe Espada. Uh, I would put that at less than 50% right now. So who have you got more than 50%? Uh, I think that right now, um, I think Rocco Baudelli would be of real interest to the Rangers. Um, I think that, uh, I think that before this is all over with, the Rangers will or should talk to Eric Chavez, and I think he will also look very strong to them as a candidate. Um, I think there's two reasons why I, I don't view Espada as the favorite here. One, I think he's very a very serious candidate in Toronto. Uh, and two, I think that, um, you know, if you look at the candidate to, to date, he has not had an in-person interview. He's had a phone interview. Now, that could all be rectified if Toronto doesn't choose him or chooses to extend their, their managerial process a little bit longer. Maybe the Rangers do bring a spot at him. But right now, I'd connect him more with Toronto than I would with with Texas. What has Eric Chavez been doing? Eric Chavez worked for the Yankees um, as a special assistant uh, there right after he retired. Uh, then he went to the Angels last year as a special assistant. And in a very interesting move, in the middle of August, or first week of August, right about the same time that it started to leak out that Mike Sosha was not going to come back in 2019, Chavez suddenly became the AAA manager at Salt Lake City. So um, it's pretty clear that, that this guy's got a future in baseball. Um, it, it's clear unless, unless what, and what has not been reported here is that he, whether or not he told the angels at some point, you know what, I want to pass on this job. Um, and with players who made a significant amount of money in the game, that's always a consideration. But I think that I think he is a very legitimate name to add to the list of guys the Rangers will likely talk to. Um, I think the chances of Espada coming in here and interviewing uh, will increase if uh, uh, if he doesn't if he isn't named the, the Toronto manager within the next couple of days. And I think the possibility is that next week after the World Series is over, the Rangers will will talk to a candidate from each of the two participating teams. 
I got to tell you, I'd have a real problem uh, calling the manager of the Rangers Rocco. I would feel like I was uh, in a. Oh, I would think you'd like to call a, a gangster manager. movie. Ball Deli. <laughs> I'm not going to just go. I'm going to call it just Ball Deli. Hey, Ball Deli. Listen, I got to ask you a question. You know, Listen, if, if, if I say, say Rocco, I feel like I'm, I'm asking for a hit on somebody. For, for for guys like you and me, should we not want a manager who's the first syllable of his last name is bald? Well, that's that's true. That's a good that's a that's a good thought. It's a good thought. Uh, I, I tell you, I just don't know about Chavez. I think you know. To me, it's a it's a little bit like, and I know you were really in favor of Michael Young getting this job. I have a problem with with guys who. Um, who who were significant players who don't who have not come up through systems and and uh, you know been a scout been a not necessarily a scout but but, but been in a, working a farm system working uh, being a manager doing doing a lot of the grunt work dirty work that you that you have to do um, and not not working in a position where they're in charge of personnel and, and and they have not been around those people. I'm not saying that those people don't have the people skills required to do those things. You just don't know. Uh, at least right. when someone has a track record, you know, and, and that's uh, if it's going to be a first time manager in the big leagues, you'd mm-hmm. least like to have some assurance that they have, you know, they have a foundation that's going to enable them to, to do this. You know, uh, when it's such a leap of faith, otherwise I, I have a little difficulty with that. So you're speaking of all the managerial experience that the two World Series managers have? No, uh, but but you know I, I don't. Uh, let's let's see here. Uh, well, what did what did Alex Cora do before he before he was? Uh, I know he was the bench coach with the Astros, but what what did he do before that? Uh, he worked for three years for ESPN. Well, I think you know that's really good. You know, Bristol's. A- <laughs> <laughs> Bristol is a very tough place. Uh, it's hard to negotiate all that there, and you're working with all those egos in in, uh, in that room. He worked, worked for three years for ESPN and then went to the Astros as bench coach for one year, and then he went to Boston, um, put together a, a staff that's got Renicky as his bench coach, um, a guy who has experience in the managerial seat, and a guy who he has a long-term uh, relationship with because they worked together when, when Cora was in the, the Dodgers minor league organization. Um, Dave Roberts retired. He worked uh, in broadcasting for a year. Um, then he worked as a, he did work as a special assistant um, uh, for the Padres for a year. Then he coached bases for the Padres and for the Dodgers for a couple of years before taking over as manager. But it has been, a non-traditional path for a lot of guys in that I, I think a everybody is not everybody I think that in the past the if there was a traditional method of moving up to a manager it was always considered okay catchers have an advantage because they see the game from a different level uh, and you work your way up through the minor league system and then you manage in the big leagues and I think what what teams are looking for now more so than that minor league managerial experience because really, really the the way you manage a minor a, a manage the way you manage a minor league game, uh, your goal is more about development than it is about winning, and it's about it's about those players more so than about winning. I, I think what what GMs start to look for is again 
we feel like we're in a transitional state in the game right now where we're moving from one set of analyzing, one way of analyzing the game to another. So I think they're more willing to take guys who have considered those options more so than just the traditional instruction options. And I think that they're also looking for guys who um, can relate with players on more of a peer-to-peer level without the 25- or 30-year separation between them and, and the players. And is it right or wrong? I, I, I don't know, but I do, I do feel like the two teams that are in the World Series have guys who were respected players, who were both named managers in their early 40s, um, who didn't necessarily have any roles managing uh, either a minor league club or managing, managing a department. I think all the things you mentioned are all assets, but to get everything together, it's hard to find that guy. Baldelli, Baldelli hasn't managed anywhere, but he has worked a little bit as a scout, and he has worked in, in player development, and he, he has worked in analytics. Chavez has worked in the front office. He did get a, a, a month of managing a minor league club. Um, it's clear he was being groomed to be something of a manager. I, I think that. Yeah, but then know, the Angels the passed on him, too, though. So that, that, that should tell you the something. Angels, the Angels passed on him. I, I'm surprised that the Angels passed on him because, quite frankly, I, you know, I, I, I think that um, I think the Angels are in a position where they want a guy who's going to go out and they feel like can, uh, for everything I just said, I think because of the players they have and where they're at, with Mike Trout and Shoy Otani um, and Angleton Simmons, they feel like they have a chance to win immediately. They don't want to mess around with any growing curves. Rangers are not going anywhere. They're not winning in 2019, probably not winning in 2020. I'm much more willing to take a manager it has something of a learning curve uh, where the game is concerned. If he's got all the other elements above Brad Ausmus or a or a recycled manager uh, already out there. Recycled manager, boy, that's a nice way to put it. Um, well, how would you like me to? How would you like me to put it? <laughs> how about just a guy with experience? You know, when we hired you, uh, Evan, we didn't call you a recycled sports writer. Uh Kevin, I had never failed anywhere, and nor have I failed here. <laughs> Listen, that's up for other people to decide. People like me, your betters, who will who will decide just where you rank uh, in the uh, pantheon of and, baseball. And you did, here. you did bet on me, and and it's paid dividends because here you are hosting this incredible, incredible podcast. <laughs> You know what, uh, Brian? Brian shows our ballsy uh, statistics. You know, from uh, in our in our new YouTube uh, uh, era. I, I hope people are are watching this because it is really good on air. You know, seeing seeing the faces behind these uh, lovely voices. I tell you what, that's the kind of stuff that is going to remake the uh, the social media landscape for the Dallas Morning News. Whatever. Uh, so, Kevin, who you got winning the World Series, which starts tonight? Well, uh, the old World Series. You know, I, I just got to go with uh, the Red Sox. I think that uh, I think they're a little more potent uh, offensively, and that'll be interesting to me to see how they work out this deal. 
It's just so funny that in this new era of baseball that Mookie Betts, who's probably the best player in baseball, um, and let's let him play second base so we can get, you know, uh, J.D. Martinez into the lineup. And I, and I get it, trying to get Martinez into the lineup in a, on the National League side. But, I mean, it's still just crazy to me that that's what they'd end up doing. But, you know, what, you know if, it, if it works, it works. Well, and let me also say that the Red Sox went. The Red Sox mostly sat. Either they, they sat Bradley, they sat Benatendi, um, but against the National League clubs in National League parks, Martinez usually went to the outfield. If Martinez goes to the outfield and then you have Bradley come in as a defensive replacement, you're doing pretty well. Anyway, the Red Sox went nine and one in NL rules games this year. Um, they didn't lose a whole lot when they had to take the DH out. They also have home field advantage, and I think where home field advantage is concerned, Fenway is a huge home field advantage because of how funky the park is. And because, I hate to say this to the Yankees, the Yankees fans can be louder, but I think the Red Sox are the most passionate fan base in, in baseball. So I, I also know that the Red Sox have played seven World Series games at home since 2004, and they're 6-1 and one there. Um, I, I just think that that uh, I have some questions about the relative health of Sale. Uh, if he's not good, um, I think that swings things in a whole different in a whole different way. But right now, the Red Sox are are my picks in, in hopefully a seven game series. At least I'm predicting seven, just because. I'd love to see. I'd love to see these two teams battle it out for seven games. Yeah, I think it'll be. It should be a great series. I've enjoyed the playoffs so far. It was a great series between the Red Sox and the Astros, and, and uh, so uh, even though it was short, it was still the games were exciting. Um, uh, I, I I will say that the you know uh, you watch Craig Kimbrell and in, in for the Red Sox, and he is and until the 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 clinching game of the and I thought that was really smart to get him out there to try to get him uh, set before the World Series started and he did pitch well in that in that game, but it just kind of did give me to say the one thing of hope for the Rangers and it it won't mean anything next year or the year after that is that I do think that Jose Leclerc is a better closer than Craig Kimbrell uh, and I just think he has uh, more upside uh, at this point in his career. Uh, you know, Kimbrell's been established and been a great close. Well, he's definitely got more upside. Definitely got more upside. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt about that. Listen, Jose Leclerc's, uh, Jose Leclerc's changeup, which has about 17 different names, is a very, very bad pitch, and it makes a lot of very good hitters look very bad. Um, he, he, has, he has come – an enormous way, and if you take the amount of growth he, he he had from 2016 to 2017, I mean from 2017 to 2018, and you get even a fraction of that growth next year, you are talking at a absolutely world-class premier closer, and and that's great news um, for the Rangers. Uh, that's a that is a big significant pitching development and and it's a big and pitching significant development from their international operations uh which in which they've spent a lot of money and you know there's been some questions how much they've got pitching wise out well they get that that's that's pretty good so at any rate i'm I'm gonna say the the red sox in seven two uh i just feel like they I just feel like they have a little more punch in the lineup, uh, and uh, if Kimbrell has straightened himself out, 
if Sale is healthy, uh, I, I think that uh, their pitching's a little better too. So, I never buy the tipping pitches thing, by the way. I just never buy it. I I, I, I realize that, and I, supposedly Rangers rookie league, rookie uh, league pitching coach Eric Gagne, who I really like as a potential future coach. I think he's got a lot of um, he's got a lot of attributes. I was real fortunate to sit in a meeting he conducted with uh, some of the rookie league pitchers in Arizona in August, and. The level of, you know, when you talk about positive culture and positive energy, the, the stuff he brought to that meeting was really impressive. Um, and I, so supposedly he noticed something and called Kimbrell and talked to him about it. But for me, uh, watching Kimbrell, it was just clear that his pitches going to the outside corner were not coming out of the hand looking like a strike. And it was easy to spit on them for an awful long time. I think he got that. I think he did get that fixed. I think he worked the breaking ball in a little bit better. But I just have never really bought that. That it, it, Everything moves at such quick speed once the ball is coming out of the hand. Uh, it, it's hard for me to buy that there's a whole bunch into the tipping pitches thing. I, I think, you know, usually to me, uh, you, you hear people talking about uh, shoulders opening up, stuff like that. You could just, if it's a mechanical thing more than to me than a, a tipping thing. And, it, and I agree with you. Uh, Kimbrell's problem has been just command of his fastball. You know, he, right. just, he's just not commanding it. So that's that's been the biggest issue. He he was much better and it was in the zone and was down in the zone in that, in that uh, last game of the series with the Astros. Evan, yeah. it's been a lot of fun talking to you. We love having you on whenever you're available. Uh, we know that you're a very busy guy. You're, you're making the rounds. David Moore has joined us in studio, and he has something he'd like to say. Evan, hello. Can you yes, hear me? David. Yeah. Evan, Evan, I'm sorry I missed that. Did you say anything interesting that you could repeat? <laughs> uh, listen, the last 30 – let me just say this, David. The last 35 minutes of conversation – are far better than whatever 35 minutes you spent of watching whatever it was you spent watching on Sunday afternoon in Landover, Maryland. Wow. Defiant for a man who covers a team without a <laughs> without a manager, manager. without a hope, <laughs> without anything. You said that. There's always hope. Oh, no, no, there's not. There's no, no hope. there's no hope here. <laughs> no right hope. now, there's no hope. There's no hope. hope is. Uh, the Rangers are a lot like both the Democrats and Republicans right now. They're gearing up for 2020. Um, wow. They're, they're, Did you already use a lead you were planning on using? Oh, we'll see God. that. We'll, we'll see that. No yeah, question. Yeah. He'll, now, that he, now that he's tried it out, he's going he's gonna to spend it somewhere else, too. Oh, don't worry. That'll, that'll appear. Okay. Good, good for this, you. This, this is all R&D for me, boys. All right. R&D. Good for it's you. like going out, trying my stand-up routine on the road. Before I do my HBO special. Oh, there you go, <laughs> there you go, Evan. It's always great, uh, and uh, have fun out there on Bell Road. Say, say hi to the Blue Hairs for us. Um. Okay. I want you guys to have a nice conversation about the Cowboys now. Oh, we will. It'll be okay. great. It'll be a lot of fun. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. They got a wide receiver yesterday. I heard. Yeah, they did. Yes, they did. We're going to talk about that too. We'd ask you what your opinion was on that, but we don't care. Okay. All right. Well, you guys have a lovely rest of the day. <laughs> you too, Evan. See ya. Bye-bye. There goes Evan Grant, uh, our baseball source. Uh, you know, kind of. You kind of call him a source. Uh, he, he breaks a story every once in a while. Um, and he's out there in Surprise, Arizona, where they're having their organizational meetings this week. That was our Rangers podcast. We'll also have a, um, a Cowboys podcast. There's a lot to talk about with, uh, with that organization. 
And uh, and this week, I think, David, instead of uh, – I, I haven't even uh, run this past year, but I think instead of doing oh, okay. a college podcast, I think we'll do a Mavericks podcast because, you know, that season sure. is just underway, and it's been so I've heard. pretty interesting so far. I don't know if you get to see that game last night. That was that was uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, anyway, that, that's it for our Rangers podcast. Be sure to, to check out us, us on YouTube because that's what the Cowboys podcast is going to be, and the numbers are just unbelievable. They're going through the roof. Uh, so is that right, Brian? That. Is that true? Yes, it is. You, you got the numbers right behind no, it's you. Not yeah. really. Yeah, that's true. Well, then I'll turn my turn your head back. away from the mic. <laughs> and turn your back. I'll be us. talking. But. Yeah. So from everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans. We'll see ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.